Hello, folks. I hope you're having a great week. Uh, as we, as I discussed in the last episode, the Merovingian kings uh, made a great deal to change or to manufacture the image of Jesus. And they did that in, a, in, in, a, in an effort to uh, kill and to subdue people all over Europe and the Middle East. But then the question becomes, does that affect us in our everyday lives today? Uh, did it affect uh, our parents or our grandparents? Uh, are, are there any repercussions to in our lives because of that brainwashing that happened back then? Did the perception of the did the perception of Christ influences our lives today as Latter Day Saints? Uh, we will talk about that today. Thank you very much, and let's go. Okay, so to try to understand the historical Jesus, the the real Jesus, the the one that we are supposed to believe in or the one that we believed in, we have to understand Jesus and his community and the communities that he lived in uh, in their period. We cannot understand Jesus if we put ourselves into Jerusalem today or Egypt today, uh, the Jerusalem in the time of Jesus and the Egypt in the time of Jesus was a very, very different place. And so some early Christians uh, have called uh, Jesus the Son of God, and some other early Christians have called him just a Jew. Uh, he was a great man, but he was not the Son of God. And so let's try to understand this from a Jewish perspective, because Jesus was a Jew. He was born into, a Jew, into the Jewish community of Nazareth. And let's try to understand it. If Jesus had been born blue-eyed and blonde, they would have probably crucified or killed Mary, and Jesus would have probably either been killed or abandoned. The Jewish community would have not accepted a, a blonde and blue-eyed boy as part of their community. And... There was no such thing as a blonde and blue-eyed and white-skinned person until the Visigoths came to Jerusalem about three or four hundred years later. And so, if he was not a Caucasian man, did the Merovingians order to paint Jesus as such? Yes. Uh, they commissioned those paintings. They made him white, not because they thought that's what might he look like, but because it proved to be very advantageous for them. They made him white uh, so that he would look like them. And these proves to be very beneficial when you're trying to conquer all of Europe like the Merovingians did. The Merovingians wanted to rule forever. And in one way, they have, since a lot of European royalty today, they are descendants of the Merovingians. And let's keep in mind that in the 600s, when most of those Jesus paintings were made, there were, uh, there were no realistic paintings of anything else all over Europe. And so if someone in that period would have been shown a picture of Jesus, most people would have accepted that picture of Jesus as Jesus, especially if they had to accept it by either agreement or by sword, like the Merovingians did. 
And so the reason why they had to accept it and they had to upset Christianity, it proved to be a very useful political tool for the Merovingians. Uh, you know, they call, and it was not just paintings, it was also the ideology. Uh, they call pagans pagans. They were not really pagans, they used basically people that lived in the province. But the, the, the reason why they started calling them pagans is because the initial definition of pagan was not educated, ignorant, uh, potentially lazy, and it just had a lot of negative connotations of calling somebody a pagan. And this type of mentality has been used for now, you know, you know a millennia and a half to either dispossess or to dehumanize certain people, to, you know, take away their stuff, take away their rights, take away their lives. And the Merovingians wanted to exterminate different groups of people. Uh, they will do so with an excuse that their actions means, uh, you know, they had the famous phrase, God willed it so, because since they were the, the personification of Jesus, then, therefore, they, they had the divine right of Jesus, which was uh, used to the Christianity or Catholicism later on. And so this type of mentality was created then, and it was used uh, to kill the Moors and the Jews of Spain. This was one of the famous ones. Uh, it was used even in America uh, with the idea of manifest destiny. And that is not the first or the last time it has been used. It has been used in courts to try to dehumanize certain minority groups. It was used in Europe repeatedly to excuse wars, crusades. Uh, you know, the whole idea of the kings and the Catholic, uh, the Catholic Church or the Holy Roman Catholic Church speaking for God it is, has been a very useful tool, and it will has if it had not if if Jesus was not white, that tool could have not been used. This is my reasoning why, because if Jesus had actually looked like a person uh, from from the Moors or a Jew from Spain, uh, people would have you know the, the crowns would have not adopted that Jesus as uh, as an enemy. He, they would have probably been a lot more forgiving of the Moors and a lot more forgiving of the Jews of Spain who were brown uh, because Jesus was very likely to be brown. It is very unlikely for it to have been blonde and blue-eyed. And so this white personification of Jesus has, was proven very useful then and it is proven very useful today uh, to still... Uh, exterminate people like they're doing like they had uh, they did recently in Guatemala where they basically dehumanized um, the native people of Guatemala by calling them Indians they're not India Indians are from India the the people from Guatemala are Mayan and some other tribes but primarily Mayan and so it's a way to dehumanize people and religion is has been one of the biggest premises to dehumanize people, um, to, to, to oppress them or to kill them. And so the fact that neither the Bible nor the Book of Mormon uh, speaks of um, 
brown people. It's kind of funny because, for example, the Bible it was probably just a given, or there wasn't even there wasn't even a race. The 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 there have been some DNA studies where the people that belong to those regions that lived around that area were either brown or black. And so I'm assuming that the people that wrote the Bible, they were either brown or they were black or there were some mixture in between. And then there's also the inventions that the Holy Roman Catholic Church created during the Middle Ages and during the Merovingian periods. Uh, for example, uh, the conception of hell or the conception of heaven. Uh, hell was a very useful tool as well. The you know if they if people didn't do what they were told or they deviated from their plan or they basically broke from the commandments as they made him along not necessarily because they had the Ten Commandments back then they were not allowed to read the Bible the Bible they were not even they were not even allowed to read uh, not only were books preserved only for royalty and for the church. But also the Bible. It wasn't until like uh, uh, John Calvin that we were able to get some excerpts from the Bible, probably like a thousand years after the Merovingians. And also the concept, the, the concept of heaven. If for some reason they people contributed or people obeyed, then therefore they told them it's like they're going to go to heaven. But um, neither the Book of Mormon nor does the Bible speak about heaven and hell, particularly in the way that we define them today. And so I believe that it is a hard thing to promise a heaven or a hell since uh, the people that promised it uh, have never been there, have never been there, have never seen it. And even if they had seen it, it is hard to make those promises if they cannot verify how does it work. When, and even if they had seen it, which they didn't because Dante Alighieri made it all up, um, at least the conception that we have today kind of is not, ex in, uh, not, as, um, not as descriptive as it was uh, Dante's Inferno or Dante's, Dante's Paradiso. But those type of descriptions, we still have them today. And I don't believe anybody has the right to promise a heaven or a hell. Um, I believe that you know there's this, there's a this is way more complicated than, than than we believe. And if we go, for example, back to the uh, some of the first episodes of this uh, of, of this podcast, uh, Jesus does talk about the different levels of the treasuries of knowledge. And so there is a realm of chaos, and then there is a realm higher up, as um, there are like higher eons, and then there is a great creator, Monad God, all the way on the top. So that will be the only definition, a, scripture, a scriptural definition, that we have of heaven and hell. And it is assumed that God is in control of heaven and hell, but the Catholics think that Peter uh, was the one who guarded the gates of heaven. Uh, in, er, in early Mormon culture, it was believed that it was Joseph Smith that took upon this role, he, that he was the one that regulated the people who was going to come into heaven or into hell. 
Uh, in the Gnostic Gospels, we don't have one single person, and there are actually many different levels of heaven. There are many different levels of hell, not according to the anti-allegarium, but more related to, uh, to knowledge or lack of knowledge. And so they're called the watchers, and then there are the, the guards inside the treasuries. And so heaven and hell, according to real scriptural definitions, is a lot more complicated. And so I believe that the Mormon Church adopted a lot of these Catholic perceptions of Jesus, adopted a lot of the perception, the Catholic perceptions of heaven and of hell, and many other traditions. Even the hymns, a lot of them were borrowed from, from the Catholic Church. Uh, even some translations of, of the Bible in different languages where um, the Mormons tried to incorporate into their in, in, into the canon, but you know they were sued by the Catholic Church because sometimes the Catholic Church doesn't like to have, uh, you know, they don't like to share their Bibles very much, and so they had to figure out ways to be able to provide a Bible for people, and so some literature is not the same in as it is in English as it is in other languages because there is different uh, dissipation of knowledge. And the Bible itself is a very interesting uh, piece of literature for the saints because the Bible in English is the King James Bible. The Spanish Bible is a Valera version, but there are many different uh, Bibles in Spanish. Uh, originally got translated from Latin. And there were many different translations uh, throughout. There have been many translations throughout time. And so they kind of describe a similar Jesus, but the translations kind of differ. Uh, but we have basically the same type of Gospels in the, in the King James Bible and other types of Bibles. And so some things have changed, but we have to ask ourselves if, if, if we have adopted... Uh, a Catholic racism. Uh, if the Catholic imposition on power, which is not even Catholic, but Merovingian, who, who was in, in, in power at that time, does that hierarchy of wealth and of race still perpetuates to our very day, where white people are supposed to have all the power, they were the ones that discovered everything, which they didn't, the Renaissance would have not been possible if you want to. If we can even call it a Renaissance, the Renaissance happened because uh, Europe started to read the books of the Moors. the The Moors had Plato and Aristotle and Euclid and Cicero, and therefore, once the Moors were kicked out of Spain, the Europeans were able to translate Aristotle because they had lost it. There was no Aristotle in Europe during the Dark Ages. It was the Moors that preserved it. And so there is a lot of deal of racism uh, that originated in those periods of times when the Merovingians were there, when the kings of Spain started to kick the Moors out, when uh, Castile and Hispaniola got united and they started singing so racist songs against the Moors, even though the Moors were the ones that saved Spain from starvation. Uh, 
so we and, and so we still in, a, in our education system we still have a great deal of racism and of ungratefulness because there's just so much history that the Moors contributed and we need to acknowledge that and we need to acknowledge the richness of their history and we need to be able to be a little bit more accepting of of black people and their culture and be able to 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 reignite not that we know more about their culture today thanks to archaeology and thanks to finding uh, different books and translation of new books. Uh, one of the greatest books that I think is just got translated is Jams Al-Marif. Uh, that, I think, is a, is, a, is a marvelous piece of history, marvelous piece of uh, occult history. And those books, as they're being translated, uh, were able to get a deeper understanding of the culture that gave birth to our culture. And so it is just a great understanding of of other of, of other people of other races, and I think it's valuable. Uh, we we should not sell ourselves ourselves short of not knowing where our history came from, and to be able to be grateful for our ancestors, even if they're only our intellectual ancestors. Anyway, uh, thank you very much uh, for listening to, to to this podcast. Thank you so much for. For, for, for your presence here. I appreciate you very much. If you have any suggestions, please shoot them my way. I would love to um, to, to create material that interests you, my, that my, my listeners. I appreciate it very much. And have a great weekend. And, have a, and thank you very much. Bye-bye.